0: you're listening to the writer than you podcast good morning live from las vegas welcome into the show bill Ryder with you it's Webbin yama day we got some britney spears drama damian lillard is trying to throw his weight around in portland oregon to get himself to miami florida tom haverstrow our buddy from Meadowlark, is gonna be on the show in an hour to talk some hoops all the NBA folks are flying into the spot I'm sitting today, if they're not here already. Vegas, all the GMs, all the executives, all the scouts, all the movers and shakers, everyone but Tommy. We tried to get him to come out, but he said, no, I ain't leaving the East Coast. Good morning, Tom. Tom, today's on Bum of the Week and buy or sell be, as it always is, in the final hour. Happy Friday show, pal.
1: Good morning, Bill. Happy Friday, TGIF.
0: I, I That term is... Oh, yeah, I love it. I want you to lean into it. Look, Pearson McDonald is taking some shots at you on Twitter, okay? Over some, on d C B S. Some? Sp- sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. And he did an entire um, list of what he finds to be your less than lovable or, or desirable or praiseworthy qualities. Or perhaps just the things he wants you to work on. And our guy Matt tweeted back at him that he forgot you won't give directions. now Now... Pearson responded, I want to start the show with this, because I think he's speaking, I think this is, he can play translator for the misunderstanding between you and me sometimes here on the show, okay? Are you ready? Sometimes dudes miscommunicate, and they need strangers who aren't strangers anymore on Twitter to bridge the gap. Do you got it? Are you with me? Are you following?
1: I'm following you. I got you.
0: If we lived in the same city, we could get a beer and just grunt and be like, hey, was was funny today, but we don't. So here's Pearson W. McDonald is pointing out. This is to Matt, who pointed out you won't give directions. Matt, how could I forget refusal of giving directions to strangers? Then he says, D-Cell and me, sports writer, not to be mean at all, but out of love, Tom. My wife and I joke that sarcasm and teasing is the sixth love language. Y'all rock. Keep killing it. Catch up is gross. Y'all don't be late. It's a love language, bro. That means that I must really <laughs> like you, like like, I, a, you. like
1: a lot, like to the moon and back.
0: I, my wife makes Lori my Lori my my wife makes fun of me. I like rankings. I want to rank everything. I'm like Lori. Rank your best friends. You know, I like. I want to rank the host in this on this network. I think it's funny. Also, just I think it's funny the look on Andrew Bogus's face when I ask him to make any kind of a sort of comment out loud that it could even remotely be insulting to someone. I enjoy I enjoy rankings, but. I was like, do private rankings, and you're moving up the friendship rankings, bro. I didn't even realize how high you were. You're already there. I just didn't realize.
1: Wow. That, that, what is I, it here? I didn't mm-hmm. know that either.
0: Sarcasm and teasing is the What are the other five love languages? Music? Poetry?
1: No, I think it's like a... Chocolates? affection. Um, are you being serious? No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. My wife would When's tell the you last time that you I don't know.
0: Are you a hug it out kind of guy?
1: No, not at all. Do you, all right?
0: I think that we having a radio show here on CBS Sports Radio gives us the latitude to do some weird stuff and then to later just get away with it by saying, Hey, it's a radio show. Our big boss where you work is Spike Eskin, right? He runs this station, he runs this network, I should say, he runs WFAM, which is the big New York station. Really nice guy, but you know, like impressive, powerful. He's a he's a he's a head honcho, right? He's high, nice, he says hi to you in the hallway, he's cool, but hes it's not like you're going to go slap him on the back and tell a, a, a joke. What if I signed you, you just walk up to him, you straight hug him, you straight hug his deputy, David Marinick, and let's throw somebody else in the mix. You straight hug, I don't know, Boomer Esiason, somebody, and then you report back how it goes over. You just walk up, hey dude, what's up, and just like you just hug it, you just hug it out.
1: I can tell you now how that's going to go. I won't be employed here anymore. I won't have a job. I don't think, I don't think you're going to be fired over the hug, man. I really don't. I don't think it's going to happen. It's not one hug, though. You have me hugging several people. Yeah, yeah. We're going we're gonna to test different... Ra- I think you would get...
0: I mean, I think David Marinick would giggle and give you a little hug back.
1: That one I think would go well for me.
0: Yes, I think I think Boomer Siasen would be like, "What the hell, man!" But n- that would you n- nothing else would ever happen again. It's the spike hug that I'm not sure which direction things would would fall after that.
1: I think I know which direction. It would not go well. It would be a very awkward encounter, and um, I, I don't think he would have nice things to say.
0: I think I speak for Pearson W. McDonald and everyone listening to the show. Both of them uh, when I say. That this is a would be a test of your of your devotion and commitment to the radio show and your job and I'm just I mean let's just let's do it on on Wednesday of next week okay let's get into some sports you ready by the way Dwight Howard said something I am not a big Dwight Howard guy and every time Sam Amick's not on today right it's Tom Haberstroh there are several times where I will reach out to Sam Amick who I think is one of the three best NBA people in the country writers. He's amazing over at The Athletic. I, I literally, when I signed up for The Athletic several years ago, before everybody that's in sports media, before they hired 91% of people, I, reached, I, I signed up under Sam Amick's name. Is that enough love on Sam Amick to tell this story? Back in the day, we used to argue about Dwight Howard pretty aggressively. He has agreed to come onto the show before under the condition I not bring up Dwight Howard. That I not do my little victory dance on Dwight Howard. There was a point where people thought Dwight Howard was good at things like basketball, even the Sam Amicks. Who you know, we had some. Look, I was wrong on Jalen Brunson. We all get stuff wrong sometimes, right? We all swing and miss sometimes. No one has told Dwight Howard apparently. No one has informed Dwight Howard. He is no longer great at basketball. He believes he is better than the best player on earth. We're going to get into that. Uh, Tom's all fired up about. You are mad about Damian Lillard
1: too. You're very angry. I just don't see it through Damian Lillard's lens. Like I don't, I don't get it. I'm I'm on Team Portland Trailblazers with this one.
0: <laughs> through the lens of a multi-millionaire, transcendent athlete who thinks that the rules don't apply to him, I'm with you, and I'm a, and I'm a Lillard fan. All right. Uh, later today, Victor Webanyama is going to. Debut at the summer League here in las vegas it 's why i 'm here it 's why a bunch of people are here if i could um if I could put on my psychic crystal ball hat and, and, and tell you exactly what he was going to do or write a story in advance or or or, or just surmise exactly what what he was going what was going to happen I would it doesn 't matter what happens tonight The guy could go eleven points eight blocks, eight rebounds, two steals, one, you know, Britney Spears apology or not. He can play 19 minutes or he can play 30 minutes. He can play an entire first quarter or an entire game. We are going to get a flash and a look and an insight into a transcendent player who's going to change the game of basketball. It it is amazing how often, because this is the creation we do in the media and that you fans do as fans on social media every single year, every year, Whatever player is drafted number one, whatever guy is hyped in whatever sport, is the next big great thing. But sometimes, there actually are players who are arriving into our sports who do have the potential, and that's, that's what it is, to change the way that games are played, understood, executed, that can stretch the boundaries of greatness. LeBron James was put on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a teenager because he was going to be that guy. Bryce Harper, actually, here in Vegas where I'm sitting, who's from Vegas, was put on the high, on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high school player at a field not, not far from where I'm sitting because he was going to be that guy. Sort of lived up to it. Shohei Otani was a guy who was going to be one of the players who changed the sport, and a lot of people rolled their eyes. And Victor Webinyama is going to be that guy. He's 7'3", or he's 7'4", or with his shoes on. He is incredibly thin, but not in the brittle sort of way that we've grown accustomed to these these. Young players who need to put weight on happen to be. He has a handle like a point guard. He is a shot blocker as good as anybody talent-wise in the game. He can hit step-back three-point shots. He's shockingly athletic. You've probably seen the highlights and one that jumps out. I did watch some of his games in France. The NBA streamed them where he shot a three-point, a step-back three, missed the three, and then got his own rebound over two guys in the air, and dunk the basketball. He's an absolute freak of nature, and he's such a sensation. And we'll get into this in about 10 or 15 minutes. I don't want to cloud the future excellence with all the weird drama that's going to surround this guy, but he's such a magnet for attention. He's such a blossoming star. He is such a big deal that Britney Spears, as you probably know, and he had some sort of interaction at, at ARIA a couple nights ago, which Britney Spears is alleging that that the guy that runs security for the Spurs, who was Webanyama's security guy in that moment, knocked her back, backhanded her, and knocked her almost to the ground, knocked her glasses off. She's filed a police complaint, and Webanyama says she grabbed him. We'll, we'll get into it in a second. But Britney Spears is not a small deal, especially in Vegas. She's one of these artists here who have a residency and live here a big chunk of the year. I think she's actually here year-round. And if you come to Vegas, you can go see, you know, you can go see Britney Spears. In fact, my, my kids want to. Because Webinyama's star is that big. It's that massive. And not that, like the the 12 Uber got drivers I've talked to or some kind of scientific sample size, but it's very rare that I go into a city and people in the car want to talk about the same person every single place I go. And I only told half these dudes what I do for a living. Half of them were just like, do you like the NBA? Yes, I do. Man, this Webinyama kid's going to be amazing. It is worth your time and your attention tonight. And I guess I have to do the asterisk that if he's healthy, if he's healthy, but he is not... There's not a history of injury for him the way that there was concerns about Greg Oden or the way that there were concerns about Joel Embiid. Remember, Embiid fell to three when he got drafted by Philadelphia out of Kansas because he wasn't able to be healthy. Or even Zion, who even back when he came out of school, there were debates about whether or not the weight he was carrying was going to be an issue. And by the way, he's also better, Webb and Yama, in terms of his talent and his potential than every single one of those guys that I mentioned the cops are LeBron James and Tim Duncan. The expectation is that he is going to play, that he is going to change the sport, that he's going to be a player maybe unlike anything we've ever seen. This could, be, this could be one of the first players in the history of the game, or the only, to be an MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and a leading scorer and a leading shot blocker in a single season. You are talking about someone who has what it takes, especially in the modern game, to be the best version of almost every single thing that needs to happen on a basketball court for a team to win a championship. You have to have, obviously, a perennial superstar who can get buckets and score. That is Webb and Yama. You have to have height and length, especially on the wing. You just You just do. And I'm talking offensively and defensively, but let's say offensively. That is Webb and Yama. It really helps. And I know we can go small sometimes, but it certainly helps to have people who do not hold you back too much offensively and, and defensively bring you rim protection and size and the ability as a profile to just alter a little bit what opposing offenses are doing. Think Think in a very sort of in the X's and O's weeds way what the Celtics are looking for from Porzingis. Porzingis is even a great defensive player, but he's a couple blocks a game. We know that he can shoot the three, and so it's a profile that they love. Webanyama is that, obviously, with remarkable offensive firepower on the other side of the equation. He's an incredible passer. I mean, this guy has absolutely everything. And on top of that, and we'll see, fame changes, people. I don't know Victor Webanyama for Adam. I've never met the guy. I'm going to be around for the first time tonight when I go to this sold-out summer league game. But he also seems—it seems like, from a distance, at least for now—he has an incredible head on his shoulders and is a very astute, bright, interesting young dude. I mean, this guy reads philosophy. Uh, I don't really know a lot of French people because when they try to talk to me and they realize I'm America and I'm I'm not very smart, they stop. I played—I hung out with a French guy the other day at a a house party, and he just very quickly decided this is not the guy. So, I—but like my impression, Tom, is this right? French people are pretty interesting and sophisticated. All of them, right? Like every French person.
1: Uh, that's always the impression that I get, yes. You should have dropped a wee
0: with a little French accent in <laughs> there. The, the kid, the, the young man, seems like a really impressive dude. And if you've watched some of his interviews, if you watch his interview with my buddy Brian Winters, who went over there uh, during the draft lottery, if you've read some of the in depth things that have been done largely by the European media, This is the ultimate combo. He has been raised to be a superstar since he was very, very young, and he has every single skill set on the face of the earth. I'm telling you that the future of the NBA, that a potential automatic, if he plays eight years Hall of Famer, an automatic top-ten player, maybe, I know what I'm saying in the history of the game, if he plays 12 or 15, he's going to debut tonight in a summer league game that is going to feel like the Super Bowl meets the World Series, meets Shohei Otani when he's out there pitching and hitting here in Vegas. It is worth your time. It is worth your attention. I'm sure we'll hit it on Monday. And maybe that is the cop. Maybe that's the better comparison if you're trying to understand why people are so mesmerized by him. What Shohei Otani brings to the game, every literally Shohei Otani is a six-tool, a six-tool baseball player in a sport where maybe you get five. Shohei Otani can hit. Shohei Otani can hit for power. Shohei Ohtani can steal bases. If they were willing to let him play in the outfield, Shohei Ohtani could be a remarkable, remarkable defensive player, and obviously Shohei Otani is one of the best pitchers in the game. Otani is so incredible at two things that are supposed to be one or the other that it transcends and redefines, at least for him, how we can see a baseball player, at least the boundaries of greatness on the top end. Webb and Yama is the same thing, and I understand that obviously the NBA is a two-way sport. And so Shohei just pitching and hitting defies the boundaries. Webinama is so incredible at everything that he does that he is the nearest comparison is actually to Otani. Even though every guy in a basketball team in the NBA and all the way down to me and Tommy playing, you know, Y M C A ball where I beat him we should talk about this fifteen to nothing, whatever the score might be, you know, whether it's hypothetical or not, Tom. Are you a shooter? I don't even want to know. Play defense and offense. But Webinama's ceiling. And actually just executable ceiling already today in every aspect of the game is unheard of. It's worth talking about. It's why I wanted to open with it. Today is the official start of an era in the NBA that if this dude stays healthy, we are gonna talk about for a very long time. Just like Tom and my friendship. Sarcasm and teasing of the sixth love language. Eight five five two one two four C B S, Tom. Eight five five two one two four C B S. If you, like me, love Tom. And want to tease him or give him some sarcasm, but you don't want to go on the air. You just call because he's going to answer the phone. 855 212 4CBS. You can also come on the air and talk sports with us. You can tweet us at DCLCBS at SportsRider Sports, R E I T E R. On Dwight Howard thinking he's better than Jokic, and this Britney Spears debacle next year
1: on CBS Sports Radio. When he's right, he's right. Are he's not friendly? No, they are not friendly. They are not friendly whatsoever. They do not like people. In the animal kingdom, they will not give directions to, like, ducks or turtles. That's right. That's right. I'm basically, I'm basically, you know, a goose. I thought you were going to say a geese. I thought you were, <laughs> were going to get it wrong. <laughs> I did. I started did.
0: to. You're listening to Writer Than You with Bill Ryder. What's good for the goose is good for the de Welcome
1: back into the show.
0: Tom, you're so uncomfortable when I just go off script.
1: you got to loosen up, pal. I mean, one of these days you're going to realize I'm just an awkward dude. Like, that's who nah, I am best. by
0: nature. Uh, Pearson W. McDonald wanted to expand on, on the love language. Apparently this is, you ready for this? Here's the love language. We can figure out how much we've given this to each other and to, and to, separately to our respective wives. Ready? Here are the five love languages by Gary Chapman according to Pearson W. McDonald. One, words of affirmation. I give you words of affirmation a lot. You <laughs> think that they're sarcasm, but I'm, I often tell you that you're the best. Okay. Acts of service. Okay, we're, I'm working on that one.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Quality time. We had a beer together once after much—I feel like I'm pretty good at these. You are not. Physical affection. You did—when did you hug me, that one? Remember, like, one time? <laughs> well,
1: did you I, hug me? Well, it was, it was written all over my face, like, the first time I saw you in months. Do I go right. in for the hug? Do I do the bro hug? Do, do we do a handshake? It was written all over my face because when you texted me that you were about to walk into the building, that's the only thing I thought about.
0: And I think I even said, what's wrong, bro? You're trying to figure out if you should give me a hug, <laughs> right? Okay. Yes,
1: you did say that right to my face.
0: <laughs> yes, that's how I roll. Gift-giving, um, the gift of my time. You're welcome. You're welcome getting to work together. <laughs> okay, okay. And then number six, sarcasm and, and, and teasing. Um, I don't know what to make of this, by the way. Patrick James tweets, because we were talking about Victor Webb and Yama playing Uh today in Summer League for, for three minutes, but I'm excited to be here. Actually, I am. As a Pistons fan, I hope Victor breaks his leg today. Oh, Patrick. Ouch. Love the follow on Twitter. Love um, make a listen. Huge fan of Detroit. But you might be nominated for Bum of the Week, bro. We never nominate listeners. Patrick, you can't root for Victor to break his leg, can you?
1: How that you can? No, I don't want to see... I don't want to see... Webb and Yama get hurt in summer league like Chet Holmgren did last year. I want to see this dude play. I mean, I I don't like Aaron
0: Rodgers, and I wouldn't root for him to be even remotely hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just I never root for injury, especially, especially this year. That's the number
1: one rule. You can't root for injuries. You don't have to like him, but you can't root for him to get hurt.
0: Yeah, I can't do it. can Not 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 going to do it. Um, that, is not lo- that is not a love language right there. Uh, I have a... I have a brand new idea for a segment for you and I. Are you ready? We're gonna. So, so dear listener, here's the deal. I, I I don't mind going off the the cuff. Uh, you know, if I have to, seat of my pants, which is a weird expression. I don't mind going off the seat of my pants if if there's breaking news or we change gears. Fine. Come up with a plan for the radio show, but let's have fun. Tom is very s- scripted. and structured. Structured. Very structured. And you you visit, so there are days like today where I tell you I'm just gonna. I'm just going to talk it up in the open of the show. Let's just – let's look. And your, your pain has – your face has paint on it.
1: Uh, yes, There's yes. I don't respond the way that you wish that I would when you say, like, hey, get ready. Big jazz day today.
0: You just got to loosen up. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a segment called Sports Jazz. And when, when we drop it, I'm going to have, you know, like a bucket with, with 11 or 20 things in it. One will be, you know, what's on the top of CBSports.com. One will be Tom's Breakfast one'll be, you know, first 12 thing on Twitter in the mentions. And we'll just do a whole segment on whatever maybe one we'll is go ask somebody in the hallway for any word. And you just walk out and Stu's word is um tardiness. I, let's say. And then <laughs> and then we do a segment on that. I think it'd be I'm into it. You just want to see me squirm, man. I think it I want to I want to I want to flex those muscles. Are you an eye contact guy? Uh it, it depends. It depends. Maybe it's just being from Iowa because everyone's friendly there. Maybe it's my personality. I'm an eye contact person. If I'm at a restaurant and I look up at anyone, I'm going to make eye contact with whoever. If I'm looking at someone, I'm making eye contact.
1: See, like that's weird, like, man. Like you look up at a restaurant like that dude is a stranger or that woman is a stranger. Why are you locking eyes with them?
0: You definitely can get some misunderstandings in Las Vegas. I, <laughs> There definitely have been some moments where I just look up. And then I make eye contact with a woman, I look down, and then whoever I'm with is like, bro, what are you doing? She's working. Or whatever the sort of, you know what I'm – and I'm just like, <laughs> all right, what are you talking But, like, there are – happened – the reason I bring it up, it happened last night. I'm walking through Vegas. My brother actually happens to be in town. I did some meetings with some folks. We did a late dinner. Whatever. Like, I went to hold a door for somebody, made eye contact, and the guy did a, like, Tom face. He was like, you got a problem face. And I was like, what's up, man? He's like, what's up? Kind of staring at me. I'm like, all right, man, good to see you. Why are people so angry about the eye
1: contact? Yeah, I got to change my answer. I'm like look down at the floor guy, look down at the sky, like look up at the sky. Like I, I, don't, I don't need to be locking eyes with people that I don't know. I'm not
0: like walking around the streets like mean mugging people, but I'm just, if, 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 you know, if you come around a corner, if I'm walking down a hallway and I look at someone, I'm going to look them in the eye.
1: I feel like that's an invitation though to start a conversation.
0: To be fair, I don't make any eye contact in airplanes. Yeah. I don't yeah. look at anybody. I'm not an airplane talker. Uh, yeah.
1: Nobody should be.
0: Um, Britney Spears and Victor Webb Yama had this kerfuffle. Here are the details that we know. So at Aria on Wednesday night, ironically, or coincidentally, Tom, um, I, there's a restaurant. I really like at Aria. And I almost went over to Aria to have dinner at that time. But the person I was meeting for, for like sort of workshop wanted to go somewhere else. So we didn't. So I almost was there. So here's what we know. Um, there's completing statements but basically Webanyama yama walks into aria he's a big deal in town right he's the big star britney spears who has a residency here has a show she does in vegas sees him goes up to him and there's some miscommunication misunderstanding web yama says he she grabbed him from behind she says she tapped him on the shoulder what is not in dispute is that the security guard for Webanyama, yama who is the head of spurs security as we understand it tmc sports first reported this uh, brushed her back, pushed her back. They say pushed her back. She says what? Backhanded her, right? That's her claim. Backhanded her. Knocked her glasses off. I believe the TMZ report said that knocked her to the ground. Britney Spears' statement said almost knocked her to the ground. She has filed complaint charges, I believe, with, with local law enforcement. And I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to think about this, Tom, because obviously Webinyama's not you know, Webinama didn't even know who it was for a couple hours. I mean, I, I presu- there's obviously tape of this in the casino. I, well, we'll see whether or not it gets released as part of an investigation. I don't know the guy that runs Spurs Security, but I know a bunch of people who do those jobs in the NBA, and they're usually like, very intense but well-meaning people who took, take really seriously protecting uh, their charge, whoever it is that they're supposed to be around. Apparently this guy went over and apologized to Britney Spears, and the charges were filed anyway. Does this matter? Because I'm having trouble. Like, I feel bad for Britney Spears that she got knocked down. I don't really know if this guy—I don't know what happened, and neither do you. There's conflicting messages. I'm not sure if this means anything other than a reminder of what a big deal Yama is going to be because everything that he does, every interaction is going to be massive, and I'm not blaming Britney Spears but Britney Spears wanted to go up and meet the guy. That's how big of a – there's NBA players everywhere in Vegas right now. That's how big of a star he is. Beyond that, you got any you got any concerns here or takeaways?
1: No, I think in the long run this will be a blip on the radar. But – and, I mean, I believe Webb and Yama, you know, from the standpoint that he was told no matter what, when you're in crowds like this, like he's been trained, do not stop. Do not stop no matter what. So he did not know it was Britney Spears. He was not going to stop regardless if it was just some, you know, Joe Smith on the street. And I think when you are a mega international celebrity like that, that's what you got to do. So I think from Webb and Yama's standpoint, this is a lot to do about nothing. Can
0: I just make a little full circle that I'm not blaming anybody, I'm not blaming anyone. But as a suggestion, if Webb and Yama had made eye contact, maybe he would have known it was Britney
1: Spears shouldn't Brittany of all people know not to put your hands on someone? I know, and and she's yes. making it seem like it was innocent yes. and right. innocent, you know, contact. But, like, shouldn't she know? Like, she's swarmed and mobbed yes. by people all the time when she goes out in public.
0: I mean, dude, obviously I interview athletes all the time, and I have had, like, one-on-one sit-down encounters with LeBron James, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, James Harden, Dwight Howard, who we're going to talk about in a second. I mean, just whatever, Steve Ballmer, um... What I, Jeannie Buss, the list goes on. I have never made physical contact with a single one of those people, and I don't even offer a handshake before or after. Um, if sometimes it is offered. Sometimes the person before or after will offer. I think Jeannie Bus might have given me a hug. I think one, who gave me a man hug? I got a man hug from someone. But I'm like, I'm just, too, so, and that's in a very like understated environment where there's TV cameras and it's quiet and they come in and they know that you're the interviewer. You're right. I mean, you can't put your hands on somebody. But she's famous, and she probably right, like, intended it as a hello.
1: But do you think you know the head of security knew that that was Britney Spears?
0: No, I don't. And I'm, how do I say this uh, diplomatically? Britney Spears, or the image that is sort of imprinted on my mind of Britney Spears, is Britney Spears from 15 or 20 years ago, which is a long time ago. Totally right? agree. And so I think when people think Britney Spears, who are not who are not sort of free Britney fans, and, and, and she's had an interesting saga and struggle and has liberated herself from her own sort of um, difficulties with the people who had charge over her, and there's been a documentary that's great. Okay. But when you think of her, I, I sort of think of a, of a pop star 22-year-old, right? Britney's, what, my age or a little bit younger, and, and she probably looks a little different. Is that a fair, is that a polite, is that a polite way to put it?
1: Could not agree with you more.
0: Yeah. Um... Oh, Dwight Howard, I, I just this is amazing. All right, Dwight Howard did an interview in Complex that uh, he should not have done. Can I just read you some of this, Tom? Then we can make fun of him together. Oh, please do. Dude, delusion is so amazing to me, and, and like people joke about it. But I worked with a very famous media person. I mean, I mean like top fifteen or twenty household name in sports media, and his—he was a brilliant guy. His delusion was so insane like his inability to understand reality, especially as he became more and more successful, that I do have some perspective that the Dwight Howard's of the world, I think he means what he's what I'm about to read you. I don't think he's messing around. Okay, here's Dwight Howard. This is all quote. Obviously, people are going to say Jokic, Nikola Jokic, can score. He's got all the offensive skills. But at the same time, I was getting 38-20, 45-18, 19-20, and I'm doing all this with twos, no threes, all twos. I'm doing this with lobs. I'm not getting a lot of post-up attempts like Jokic. He's getting way more opportunities, I would say, as far as to show his blow post-game and all that stuff. And I was just in a different era. Okay, so far, so good. Like, interesting insight. So people look at that and say, well, Jokic, he scores and does all that stuff. And no offense, I think he's great. I love Jokic. I don't want people to think I'm trying to hate even comparing, but I'm going to take myself. He means over Jokic. I know how dominant I was, and I know what I could do with my skills. And on the defensive end, on the offensive end, I was quick enough to get past everybody. This goes on, but he ends with, basically, he thinks he's the better player. Quote, all-time centers, I'm top 10. Top 10 all-time. I know everybody, what they're going to say was Shaq, Akeem, Will, Kareem, and then you got Moses Malone. So it's an easy target, right? Dwight Howard's out there saying he's better than Jokic. And I understand you can make an, an interesting argument for talent. Like, the thing that, that I find fascinating about this is not the, it is easy, and he might be bum of the week, he's certainly nominated, is not Dwight Howard trying to argue that he's better than Jokic. That is ludicrous, but is what he's doing. But okay, like, competitive people tend to be competitive. Or even just his misunderstanding of how the game has evolved and how Jokic is a big man today is the perfect fit for the modern era. The thing that's amazing to me is that Dwight Howard should have been a top 5 or, or 10 big man. That the reason Shaq got on him all the time is because Shaq saw a less successful version of even Shaq. And I love Shaq. I was a Shaq guy in the Shaq Kobe debate, but Shaq, I mean, Shaq missed out on multiple opportunities for a focus, right? If he had Kobe's will, Shaq would have won more rings and been a top three player of all time. Shaquille O'Neal, in making this argument, doesn't understand that he's actually telling the story. Dwight Howard, excuse me, is telling the story of Dwight Howard, which is a massively talented guy who lost his way who lost a sense of perspective, who didn't understand that being a teammate and putting in the work and and giving a damn about the actual team outcomes was the most important way to shine as an individual. I'm going to tell a quick story. And and Tom, this is a long time ago, but but back when they put together what they thought would be a super team in L.A., Kobe was still there, uh, Meta was still there, I think Powell was still there, and they brought in Steve Nash, and they brought in Dwight Howard. Remember this team, and, and there were like... Really respected NBA writers who called it the greatest starting five in the history of the NBA. Didn't go well. Didn't get off to a good start. Steve Nash got hurt. I just happened to be at the first game Steve Nash came back to against the Warriors before they were the Warriors or the Kings. I can't remember where it was. And they won. The Lakers won on Steve Nash's return. And it was a celebratory mood in the locker room. And even Kobe was into it. This is early, right? This is like October, or November, whatever it was, December. And Dwight Howard was sulking in the corner because he hadn't taken the final shot. And he hadn't put up huge numbers. Dwight Howard comparing himself to Jokic isn't the story. Dwight Howard telling on himself and letting us all know that he never understood what mattered. There was always focused on the wrong things. That he doesn't get that he wasn't a top ten player, he's a top ten talent, and that he squandered it. For me, that's the story. You want to make fun of him, now we can.
1: When you look back on Dwight's career, do you view him as a bust? 100% a bust. Absolutely. Because it's not like he accomplished absolutely nothing, like, team-wise. Made like, the finals. Made the finals. Yep, and he, he ultimately won a championship with the Lakers in 2020. I know he wasn't— What does that— Didn't have a big big role. I get it, I get it. He wasn't the guy or anywhere near close to the guy. But, like, I mean, the dude was three-time defensive player of the year, five— Like, it he wasn't—he had the talent, and we saw the talent—
0: I don't want to make my buddy mad here, but I got a buddy who works for the Lakers, right? I got a a good friend who works for the Lakers. Sort, right? He works for them. But he's kind of on the periphery and does scouting. He has a ring from 2020. Does that make him an NBA champion? I mean, come on. Like, like, honestly, like, does that change his... (sighs) Yeah, I think he's a bust. I I think you... Victor Yama debuts tonight. If Yama plays 15 years, right, and is a five-time All-Star... And makes the second round six times, and I don't know, finishes as third as the scoring leader once, and has like a really nice career and makes a bunch of money and is pretty good. He will be a bust because it will be relative to the talent. I think. Um, let me think of an example. Jamal Crawford's had a great career. Would you agree? Jamal Crawford's had like a, had a great career.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: But if LeBron James had that exact career, come into the league, he'd be a bust. So I think Dwight Howard is a bust not just by the standards of the number one overall draft pick, and what he was as a player. I think what he did in Orlando early on, and how Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, put a bunch of shooters around him. It was sort of revolutionary to a degree. And this big man that dominated the game with these shooters around him to stretch the floor, how they made a finals without much of a team, and they sh- like that standard he set was part of what we have to judge him by. Yeah, I think he's a bust. He doesn't get it. I've always viewed from-
1: him as his own worst enemy. On the court 100%. and off the court. Like, he says he says nonsense all the time, and that's part of the reason why he couldn't stick with the team after he left the Magic. Like, he bounced around from team to team to team because I don't think anybody could get along with this dude.
0: I mean, having been around him, too, right? Like, having been around him, there just wasn't a seriousness, either in leadership or in just, like, about basketball. And I wasn't around him a lot, right? In the locker room. I did do... A, one or two sort of sit-down TV interviews with him, and I remember just being utterly unimpressed. I mean, say what you want about Chris Paul, who I don't get along with, or, J- or LeBron James, who I do, or James Harden, who, who I like, or any of these guys. They were, when you talked about hoops, there was an intensity that the great sort of like shifted to in the conversation, right? You know, you talk to anybody about their passion, and they just go to this like intense place. Howard, Dwight Howard didn't have that absolute bust. You know who's not a bust? Not yet, Damian Lillard. But being a star, being incredible, having a bunch of money, Being a remarkable player. Having a desire and ambition, a need, a hunger for a championship and change, that's fine. But a wise man once told me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And the way Lillard is going about his desire to be a member of the Miami Heat is already tarnishing his time as a Blazer. We will get into that here on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Peter Schwartz. When he's right, he's right. I'm so tired of the guys that we cover acting like they can say the entire media sucks because they don't like the way they acted. Grow up, you man-child. Why don't you go win some playoff games and stop blaming people like me for the problems within your own organization? Now i have sort of Team Stefan Diggs. Got to deal with Josh Allen all the time. Why did not you throw me the ball? The media, man. You know, it's in the huddle in the media. Yeah, the media, bro. You're listening to Writer Than You with Bill Ryder. Yeah, I got to come up with a good insulting name for Josh Allen. You got any suggestions? <laughs> Josh Allen?
1: Ooh, that's a good
0: one. We're, we're going to workshop it.
1: Yeah, we got a couple months. All right.
0: I, the mark... I'm not directing this you at you at all, Tommy. This is not directed specifically at you at all, okay? The mark of intellectual honesty and... Growth is the ability to say you were wrong. And it's a fine line in this business, any business, right? I'm getting made fun of a lot for this Jalen Brunson take. I'll full announce it. It's pretty funny. I totally was wrong. But you don't want to jump ship too soon. So I'm, I'm sort of struggling with this because our own biases, like what we have believed to be true for a long time, Tom, strongly influences our ability to assess information in the present. I'm a Lillard fan. I like Damian Lillard. I like the way that he plays. I love when he sent home Paul George and uh, Russell Westbrook with that shot against Oklahoma City a few years ago, and waved goodbye to them and that attempted pairing in Oklahoma City. I, I, I'm a big Portland, Oregon fan. I just I like the city, I like the organization, I like the fan base. I've always loved and supported the fact Dame stuck around. So it feels like after what has he been there, 11 years or whatever it is, that he has put in the time. And I'm okay with him kind of making a move. And really, him moving on now is, is really good timing for Portland. And this hasn't been stated or said, and maybe it's coincidental, but there were times where he could have demanded a trade when C.J. McCullough was still there, when they were still competing, that would have decimated Portland. They're now at a rebuilding phase where they're actually in pretty good, pretty good shape. They've got a nice core young group of players, and obviously Scoot Henderson drafted as the point guard that's going to replace Damian Lillard. It's, it, it's an opportune time. So maybe I'm a little biased and try not to get too angry at Damian Lillard, but his agent is out there doing agent things. This is what agents do. Lillard wants to go to Miami. Okay, cool. Like, I understand that. I'd like to win a poker tournament when well, I'm in Vegas. I'm probably not even going to have time to do one because I'm working. We don't always get what we want. And the latest report is that his agent is out there, and he's publicly said this, by the way, the agent, that he's telling teams, don't draft Damian, don't trade for excuse me, Damian Lillard. You're going to have an unhappy superstar. Well, tough you-know-what. Tough cheese and crackers, man. Like I, I don't, I don't care. And not that there's anybody else. And, and yet, I'm not mad at Lillard yet, because it's hard to know. It's hard to know behind the scenes what's actually going on, and it's hard to know what Miami's offering. Because if Miami's offering nothing, right? And I don't know if the Heat are offering cheese and crackers and and and, and, and a sk- bag of Skittles for Lillard, then Lillard's insistence. Ongoing to Miami is obnoxious. If the Heat are offering, and it would be something like a three-way trade, right, that sends either—I mean, maybe it's Hero. They want Hero. They could probably get Ben Simmons in a three-way trade, Portland, with Brooklyn. You can involve Brooklyn to make the contracts work. And you could I wouldn't want Ben Simmons, but there's an upside there. But if it's Hero or a player like that, and it is two or three first-round picks, which you could do if you did a three-way trade— and if you took Simmons' contract, by the way, you could do the same thing. And a couple pick swaps. I don't know, Tom. Like, that feels like enough. Do I think Lillard with, with Philadelphia would be dynamic? I do. Do I think Damian Lillard in the end is not going to have the leverage that he thinks he does because he doesn't have a trade—he doesn't have a no-trade clause the way that Beale did? I mean, may I, I'd like that to be so, but the reality is that players demand where they want to go now and teams accommodate them. I was talking to somebody about Harden and about how he's not getting along with the Sixers, and I said, why not just stamp that? And I was told well, he'll just be miserable there like it is bad to have someone toxic that's there I get it nobody wants to take a stand for everybody else but I would rather have a toxic player I'd rather play chicken with these guys and let them be pissed off for five months than buckle and not get the proper return but I'm not mad at Damian Lillard you are you're actually you're because I kind of I'm holding on to I'm on this thing I'm holding on to my old view
1: let's call this what it is Bill this is obnoxious This is obnoxious. Obnoxious. Yes. Joe Cronin, the Blazers GM, has an obligation obligation to the organization, not to Damian Lillard. Maybe Lillard has a point in saying that the organization over the last 11 seasons has failed him in terms of roster construction. I'm with Dame on that one. I've been a big fan of Dame staying with Portland. Good on Dame. Great for him. It's not like they didn't pay this dude half a billion dollars over the last I'm with 11 China seasons. i you. Sign a contract. I'm with you, but can
0: I give you a possible perspective? Absolutely. What if what's really going on is not that he just wants to go Miami, but that it's really Miami and maybe four other places, but Cronin is saying to them, hey, we got a good offer from Utah. We might have to trade you to Utah. We got a really good offer from Detroit. Maybe he's doing the Miami leverage game so that he can actually expand the field to three or four or five. I'm just saying, there's a lot, because he's been attached to Utah. And no disrespect to Salt Lake City, I I think it's a great town, but Damian Lillard doesn't want to go to Utah, right? He doesn't want to go play with a bunch of, he wants to go to a contender today.
1: Tough, man. You put in a trade request, you demanded to be traded, you're upset that they drafted Scoot Henderson number three overall? That's tough. You either stay in Portland because you signed a contract, or you get moved to wherever Joe Cronin can get the best deal for the Portland Trailblazers. That's how this thing works. I'm not mad at Cronin. Go get what you need. I'm, I'm kind of
0: acknowledging that I'm probably hanging on too long to my affection for Damian Lillard. Also, no disrespect to this agent in particular, but agents can be really. It could just be the agent out there, just you know, be an agenty. We're not gonna go. We're gonna. His job is to get his client what he wants. You never know. Lillard might show up in a week, and if Lillard expanded to Miami, Philly. I would want to go play with the clippers and the clippers. would you feel better if he said okay i I'm, I'm good with one of these three. What is satisfactory for you and your D cell rage?
1: Yeah, I would need to be in the three four five team range so that Joe Cronin four, five. Ha- yeah, so that Joe Cronin has something to work with here we're both four, sides- five where both sides could have a happy medium
0: I also want to see him in Miami because I like the organization, and I kind of enjoy going to the finals there i mean if I'm being honest. I'm rooting for Lillard to go where I want to spend a big chunk of June.
1: Like, you're making it sound like three, four, five teams is too many. Like, we just saw the Denver Nuggets win an NBA championship. You're telling me that five teams that add Damian Lillard can't win an NBA title next year?
0: I am telling you they can. I don't want to go to some of those cities in June.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: I'm just rooting for me, pal. I'd also, look, I, 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 I would love to see Lillard get a shot. And, and so I, I, I'm actually not mad at Damian Lillard, and I'm not mad at Joe Cronin. It's like that scene from Greece when the idiots are driving at each other. They're both trying to win. Who's going to swerve first? Let's do some jazz with Tom Haberstroh. That's about geese, a goose, and the NBA next year on CBS Sports Radio.